hello, and welcome to Interface. My name is Andrew Lilger, broadcasting live from the NPR studio here in Washington. No. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was not a good joke. No, it's okay. I mean, two weeks in a row is classic. I always say, if it doesn't work first time, tell it the next week. That's true, yeah. I, and I've always understood that jokes get funnier the more times you tell them. That's right, yep. I mean, that's classic dad joke you know, theory. Yeah, right, exactly. Things get funnier the more you uh, say them. Right, exactly. Like the first time Sarah told me her dad's favorite dad joke of when they get done eating at the restaurant and the, the waiter says, would you like a box? And he says, nope, I want to wrestle. I was like, okay. Oh, and then like 20 times, la- 20 times later though, I'm like, oh my God, he's going to wrestle. And I think it's actually pretty funny. <laughs> anyway. uh, and also the classic dad joke, also in restaurants, uh, I'll be your server tonight. Hi, I'll be your customer tonight. <laughs> And welcome to Interface. My name is Andrew Lilja, and with me today is Chase Musil. So, Chase, I heard that uh, you've been keeping track of everything you do and writing it down in the log. I do, and it's co- it's actually called the log. Thank you. Which is a little confusing because it's also the name of the small building the outside log. my house in which I keep the piece of paper and the name of the paper that I write on. So, the l- <laughs> you just keep it in a log cabin outside, right? Right, exactly. Is that a euphemism for pooping? Well, I mean, it depends on what type of small outhouse you know building you use in your lawn most of us the log the have them for for a purpose yeah anyway one of these days we're gonna get sure. into plumbing but sure. i do track a lot of things i do including that um no i i think so in the area of quantified self right this is a that is the term that i've seen used that you've seen used i don't today's topic for quantified self right but that's what i mean I, i'm trying to think if there's anything else that other other terms that incorporate you know that talk about this I don't know. Um, I, I mean, guess, like, maybe fitness tracking sort of gets like, thrown in there with it. Sort of, yeah. Yeah. I mean, quantify itself is the big picture, right? So we can talk, so like really low level. I mean, I think that quantified itself has become, has become popular or like the concept of having, uh, you know, quantified itself has become popular pretty much just based on the hardware think- available, right? So now, now we have stuff that we can actually do it automatically without having to, you know, manually log everything. And it becomes a lot more attractive mm-hmm. when you don't have to do the work. And I think it's a total waste of time that provides no benefit to the average person. Hmm. That's interesting. I mean, the, the average person is the interesting sentiment there. I, so I disagree. Right. I think, I think, it, I think it totally has purpose, but I the problem that I have, you know, like I think that you, Ian and I all have in a lot of things is that we think that we're the average person in a lot of respects. And, you know, in many right. ways we're, you know, we're certainly not edge cases. Yeah. Right. For, you right. know, for these particular topics, since not that I think I'm just always above average, if you know what I mean, but, uh, no, um, but I mean, you know, we are not statistically, we are not average Americans or even average citizens of the world. If you, but like, you know, we're pretty <laughs> average in pretty much every respect, whatever intelligence, if you want to get into that. No, that's dumb. But like financially, right. that kind of thing. Um, yeah, no, certainly educationally. I mean, well, and yeah, educationally for sure. And then, um, and what that just brings with it is just sort of your exposure. I think that, like, above all, a lot of this comes down to exposure. Not that that's our topic, but I feel like we're just aware of the world in a lot of, like, right. niche ways. But also, I'm totally oblivious to many things that everybody else are, you know, like, there's, you know, the vast majority of people are probably, you know, very much aware of different social or social issues or, like, economic right. issues or things that I just haven't considered. So, anyway. Sure. But, okay, enough hedging. Uh, so, yeah, I think, it. when I say average, I mean, for people who don't have a specific need to record things about themselves and i'm thinking like people with mm-hmm. health issues whereby you might want to record how many seizures you have in a day um 
mm-hmm. or people who are participating in studies trying to identify how, how people move in a day or something like that. You know, I think the mm-hmm. average the mm-hmm. person who's not doing those sorts of things has no real need to uh, to keep track of everything they do. So this is a good question, right? Like, do you do you feel that people like the average person doesn't they they don't need it in the sense that like obviously they've been getting along fine without having all this type of data or is it that if you did so let's take the average person and they you know do the quantified self-tracking and they start you know finding out a lot about themselves is it that's a more exploratory process is there nothing worth finding like or is it that it's not meaningful um, enough to make a difference so and I, I think and I'll, and I'll give you my example of go ahead go ahead no, go ahead I was just going to say, I, I was going to follow up with my example of why I think it does work in some cases, but I want to hear why, like your, your sort of like general overstatement on it. Yeah. So I, I think it could potentially work, but um, the big issue is that right now there's just nothing really to do with the information that you have. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think in a lot of cases it could actually be, you could make a mistake. So I read an article on Wired last night about um, uh, genetic testing for the breast cancer gene the brc a1 and a2 i think are what they are and um how a lot of people who have that gene decide to get double mastectomies even though the chance of getting of actually having cancer from that it, it, i mean it doubles but it goes from like from like you know a low amount to like 45 percent, which is still means that the odds are at least in, at that low level uh are not that you're going to get breast cancer and so and there's stuff about like prostate exams and pre-screening or pre-screening and that kind of thing and people making or lots of stuff with the genetic testing from um 23andMe. The worry is that if you have all this information, oh, yes. you yeah. might not know what to do with it or the tools don't exist to help you actually make good decisions about what to do with it. Okay, that's... So, I I actually really 100% agree with that. And um, like the, what I'll throw on top of there is that in the proliferation of health tracking devices and sort of health tracking apps, right? Like, we've seen a lot of different apps... Um, become available that were, you know, that started off when, when app explosion happened on phones, you got the apps that you could like mm-hmm. enter your, you know, whatever you're eating or enter how many miles you ran or walked or whatever. Right. And then, right. um, as the devices became more popular and they've proliferated the market, then you also started to get more automated data entry into the same thing. But I completely agree with what you just said though. Most people who have that data, they don't know what to do with it because I, I don't think I've seen a really great example of a call to action based on your information, right? So like based on the data that you've given us, here are the habits that you should change or the things you should do. Right. I've not seen a great example. The closest example. is like getting to a thousand steps. Right. But even that's like, hey, did you hit your number? Not what to like, what alterations to make in your lifestyle and or things to like look out for, right? Like, right. I mean, right. and I feel like the ones that you get are really cheesy, right? Like make sure you walk more because you didn't hit your target today and that's not helpful right, right. like it's more it would be better if it be like people who have uh, your similar health patterns if they don't get at least eight thousand steps have a higher risk of dying of heart disease by the time they reach 50 but even <laughs> sure. then the yeah, numbers you're right. looking at would be things like there'd be things like you know it's a two percent increase or it's a four percent increase and you can explain that data in a way that makes it sound scary but it just still doesn't feel like it's extremely useful sort of stuff to track like the amount of effort it takes to track that sort of thing doesn't return a large, the, the return on investment doesn't seem that big. Right. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Um, yeah. I don't know if it, it feels rough because a lot of the things that you could potentially be motivated from, like what you just, the example you just gave, and it's, that's not just you. Like, I feel like that's a common one. we've talked about this with like the baby, like health tracking stuff. It's sort of this like fear mm-hmm. tactic of getting, getting you to act right. That's your motivator as opposed to being like, right. You know, a healthy lifestyle is based on this type of thing and you should, you know, be eating this or walking more. It's, it's like the, the reason you get people to do it or the motivator for it is often fear. And I feel like that's a, that's a bad way to get people motivated in my opinion. 
Um, right. But with babies, right? Like we talked about this, like, like I'm selfish and I don't want my baby to die. So I'm like, well, I guess. Anyway. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, there's definitely, there are, I, I would, there are definitely legitimate benefits for, um, uh, quantified self and, and certainly in healthcare for people who have chronic diseases or that kind of thing, or are tracking their, their input of food and that kind of thing to make sure that they don't, you know, you're like people with diabetes, that kind of thing. Right. And we have a lot of, right. I work in medical devices in our patient population, uh, a certain subset of them certainly has a good reason to do certain health tracking. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, Apple did this really cool thing. Now that I think about it a while back with, um, uh, health with their health kit. They did it with Tremor yeah. uh, patients. And so the idea was you could, uh, over a long period of time, you could just do this really quick test um, every day. And it was like it was tapping your thumbs on the screen. And it would just measure your rate and how regular your pattern was. And the idea was over a very long period of time, you could see how your tremor was progressing based on how accurate you're able to hit the, the beat and that kind of thing. Right. And that's a that's pretty cool one. But again, that's for a narrow set of people who uh, have uh, Parkinson's or essential tremor. Right, exactly. So so what you're saying, especially with your exposure in the medical device like you know, industry, these are people opting in because they have a need, not the general person who is finding all this information. Right. Going, oh, look what I found out about myself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's exactly um, what it is. Right. So I think that's I think that's the state. I think I agree with you that that's the state today. I think that if you had sort of passive quantified self stuff, you would begin to sort of like find insights on your on your own that would be that you I think that you would surprise yourself with how worthwhile they are. And uh, like an example I'll give is one from our life. So Sarah has had um, different health issues, just like where her back hurt or like she had a reaction to a particular mm-hmm. like uh, uh, medication for heartburn or whatever, and like. Um, different things like just sort of like happen and they're all sort of like, this is like, oh, there's a larger thing here going on with like a lot of women go like non undiagnosed with having problems. Like there's something wrong, but no one knows what it is. And so it's like a lot of mm-hmm. little things and because nothing's diagnosable, you don't know what it is. Well, because Sarah has like pretty diligently tracked a lot of things about herself, like her heart rate and then her menstrual cycle and like whatever, like just lots of things that are like are normal things to track. And she has all that data. It becomes a lot easier to sort of see where things are changing. Mm-hmm. And she was able to, pinpoint different issues based on her data as opposed to being like most people saying that going through like well i know that i always feel sick at this time the doctor will kind of like look at you like okay i mean i mean this isn't all doctors but i feel like the experience has sort of been like oh yeah tell me when you you know tell me when this happened tell me when that happened but because sarah can pull it up and be like look see these are the times of the month this happens or like look look, my heart rate was over this you know two hour span and she's got these actual numbers to put with them they've worked really well in her favor to be to as like diagnostic tools that's really um, cool. So and, it's so and she it was, had no reason to it wasn't it before, but then once she did, she was able to use it for something actually useful. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And um and like tracking and I know it's and like I don't know if it's taboo to like talk about like tracking your menstrual cycle or whatever, but like um no. it's like something that I feel like isn't spoken a lot about it, but most people I, I don't know maybe i shouldn't say most people but i feel like a lot of people do it especially when you're like in our scenario which is common when you want to have kids like you want to know where you're at right. so which is it's super common at least in that window and so by doing that this was just giving her an extra piece of information that we would have you know been throwing away so i don't know it yeah that's, it's, that's really all good. that stuff is in yeah that's been useful but in you know it's sort of been like a bonus information and then we've gone and and con- continued that trend with like if, but this is because we knew this is back to where we're opting in and not like sort of exploratory discovery useful, but like we were tracking like Bennett's heart rate when he was born and, you know, tracking his sleeping patterns and how much food he was eating and how long and when. So like I was getting like average feeding amounts and like times and durations and like you right. know, that type of stuff, but that was all manual entry and because it's pretty laborious, you know, I gave up on it after things mm-hmm. had sort of settled down and he's healthy. 
but and that's what the problem those with are all things like my fitness yeah. power was like you had it promised to do things but then of course calorie counting isn't really a good way to lose weight but also right you know the estimation is required you to enter it all manually and the estimation is really poor right right yep i so, totally agree with that yep and, and a lot of so those things are like enter your height and your weight and you're like here we'll give you this gross generalization of what you should be doing or what you get right so outside of healthcare so okay so you convinced me it can be used for healthcare especially sort of the preemptive collections so if you do have a health problem later like your wife you can figure out we have all this history potentially like normal and then abnormal stuff so we can compare and figure out what's going on that's really cool that's that right. like that one makes a lot of sense to me right but what about things outside of healthcare so the classic yeah. example of course is Nick Felton Nicholas Felton who for a decade recorded like <laughs> an enormous amount of information about his life and then released these really beautiful annual reports and they're they're gorgeous they're really cool it's it's a fairly interesting look inside somebody's life but like that doesn't seem to have a lot of actually use outside of just being kind of interesting yeah and the stuff that he was tracking right was like uh shoot he had like a, a bunch of sort of mundane things right like number of times he right. would do it was a like, particular action or like i don't know i mean stuff like sleep or whatever yeah it was like places i've been sleep uh it's like things got it's like the years went on they got more and more interesting so it's like facebook messages who do you talk to like so he would do yeah like all communication right. so who he did sp- talk to but then also all the different applications he talked to people on he did some interesting stuff about like what time of day what time of the week month who he was talking to that kind of thing Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but again, yeah, it's exactly. just sort of like, it, it's the sort of thing you look at and go, hmm, and then move on. It doesn't actually provide anything useful. Yeah. And I would say, especially like in his, um, like I remember looking at his posters or whatever, and a lot of them were like, just sort of like numbers slapped up with labels that aren't like, there's no, there's no grouping that seems like coherent. It's just sort of like right. coffee and pictures and messages and pages, like all sort of like next to each other. Um, right. And like, so it's like health plus information plus like social and whatever. But like, I think if you were to, if you could break that down in a, like maybe group it in group, put them in groups, uh, the information groups that would make it useful to sort of read, like, then you could get to stuff where you're getting into, um, oh goodness, what's my app called that I run in the background? Uh, what's it called? Rescue time. Um, so you get to like the rescue time type grouping where it's like, this is how much time I've spent doing this activity on my computer. And so that's a very rescue time is limited scope because it's just talking, tracking, um, your focus window on your computer, but you could start grouping your information like that. Like this is how much time I spent in word. This is how much time I spent in Slack. This is how much time I spent in Chrome, right. Or whatever. And then even Chrome, you can like, right. this is how much time I spent on particular websites. So when you have that type of information, I found that stuff really useful again um not with a particular agenda in mind but that um but just to sort of see where i was my time breakdown was coming and i found like i spent like half my day in gmail or something like something really bad and um after seeing the numbers it was very sobering and i was like okay now i have a goal and so then i would start like limiting my gmail time and that was ended up being very useful and i gained hours back out of my day but um but that's sort of like that's not a good answer i'm slightly cheating because i'm just doing stuff on the computer but you're you're talking about more general everything but at least on the computer using rescue time no that yeah that's more interesting too because a lot of there's been some new work coming out explaining that people who are multitasking uh, which is to say they're switching context they're not just switching between applications uh are unhappier they do a worse job and I, I would I would guess that that sort of thing, being able to track not only how long you're working on something, but how often you switch between certain things could be a yeah. really good way of uh, making you more productive by identifying, here's the things that I need to work on avoiding switching to. Yeah, and really what uh, this like... Do my job better. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think... So, like at the at, a, at the level that we're talking about, like you know, using Rescue Time or whatever you know app, like you know, time tracking app you're using, um, 
those things are good at telling you sort of like how much time you spent on each one. And without like paying for the premium stuff, you sort of get locked out of some of those greater insights. But what I think is like, what I think is actually really interesting is that what all of these are actually trying to do is behavioral coding from general social research, like social science research. <laughs> so when you go to do uh, behavioral coding, yeah. like when I run studies, I'm watching people's behaviors. And so like I'll count the number of times someone looks left or someone checks their watch or someone's on their phone or how much time they spent accelerating right. on the simulator versus driving at constant speed versus decelerating. Like, and you start breaking down every action. And then when you go to export their data, you're like, okay, this is how much time you spent doing this one. This is how often you do this one. This one was always this action of, you know, breaking was always preceded by a check of this particular um, interface. And so like, that type of stuff is totally exploratory. Like, I don't know what I'm going to find. But then by the time it's done, I'm like, sure. oh, I actually know how you drive. And I could make a model of the way that you drive in the vehicle or whatever. And, right, right. Um, and get, yeah, so getting this, that type of information feels like the like really nice granular level of insight that you'd want. But it's just it's impossible to get because the thing that you're not seeing when I like, yeah. give these insights in the reports is you don't see the like hundreds of hours it takes to code all that data because for every hour of data, you're at least in there an hour yourself. And that's after being coming super efficient at doing it. Right. So anyway. that's really good. But the thing I'll say about that is that even in a world where we could easily get a ton of data. So like the way UX study works or the kind of work that you're doing is that you basically get uh a fully controlled environment where you can you can figure out a way to get all the information you want out of the interaction, out of how somebody's doing something as you want, mm-hmm. and then you have a, a set of powerful tools to, to figure out how to uh, uh, use that data to actually you know make something interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the tricky part here is that even if you could collect a ton of information from somebody in a perfect world, you could easily frictionless, frictionless and transparently collect a ton of information about how somebody is doing something throughout the day. Right. There's no no real way to guarantee that you're actually going to get. Uh, tools to be able to analyze that information and do good things with it. Because outside of the very narrow mm-hmm. context you do inside like a scientific or a UX study, like day to day, I don't really know what sort of things I would need to 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 know about myself to actually improve my life in a substantial way. Which is not to yeah. say that my life is perfect or whatever. I just don't know. Like I don't know what to change, and I don't know what, what I need to collect or what kind of tools I would need to be able to make those changes and convince me that that's actually would be a benefit for me. Yeah, so it's. I feel like there's a nice corollary here with, um, you know, looking at how we do sort of these like more social, you know, qualitative, um, you know, research, you know, research studies. And when you do this type of stuff, what the difference is between like what you just described was doing something and having good insights versus doing something because we can have all the like you're saying that we have all the tech to get all this information, but we don't know what to do with the information still. So it's still this core problem of like I'm saying we could like in the idea we could 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 have all that, but. Right. But still, even if you get it, what do you do with it? Right. Like it's still the action item problem. Um, so I think, so at least in the research world, you actually need an expert, right? So the thing that you have on your side is that you have someone who's an expert in Uh, that area, breaking it down and coding it. Right. And you're saying like, okay, these are the things that you're doing and in a successful, because they've, so like, I'll give an example of like when I'm watching people in the combine simulator, I know what expert behavior looks like because I've tested them on like Mm. different, I've like, we built a survey that tested their knowledge. And then I've also watched their performance to see who does well. And then there's also like the qualitative component that I just know someone's an expert based on their responses and their confidence that type of thing. Um, so I know what expert behavior looks like. And then I also know what novice behavior looks like. And so then at the end, I'm able to say experts did X more experts slowed down less where novices slowed down more and experts made this adjustment more and novices made this adjustment less. And so what I think you could potentially get to is I would imagine a startup that has like here, we want you to either like buy our hardware or use your Fitbit or whatever. Right. So, you know, take your hardware, track all this stuff, give us all your data. And then based on what, you know, like you put your interest and you say that you want to get healthier and you want to, you know, 
I don't know, like you want to sleep more and be more active. Sure. So you give some type of goals and then based on what they've seen as like expert behavior in so, that area, they might be able to give you some more tailored insights that'd be generalizable across population for particular goals. Sure. So it'd be like, here's how expert sleepers carry out their day and sleep. Yeah. And here's like, how what's you the, do it. What, and here's the comparison. Yeah, exactly. Here's the, like, the things you change. Yeah. I wonder if you could even say like, yeah. let's say like we like model my day versus your day or whatever. And we know that Andrew is mm-hmm. like, you perform at like, you know, uh, you know, uh, whatever, like a super high, you perform at this really high level, but you, you know, you're doing it for fewer hours in the day where I'm awake more, but I perform at a lower level. Right. And so this is building off the, like you right. get more sleep than I do. So it might be like, well, maybe Chase wants to, like, maybe the suggestion from the expert might be, well, it looks like overall Andrew is performing more quality work than you and he's spending less time doing it to, to make changes to become more like that. This is what we recommend you change or whatever. Sure. Sure. That's really interesting. I mean, there's a ton of variables to try to control on that, but that, that's a yeah, ton to start. Yeah. You could still train. If you could train robots, uh, uh, AIs that would sort of be like mm, the most idealized version of that. And you could compare people against that. That'd be, oh, that's interesting. Could, yeah, that'd be, that could yeah. be interesting. Yeah, because you get like you get like the pizza robots, right, or whatever. <laughs> like you can train like the most efficient <laughs> right, right. pizza robot or whatever, or the most efficient person, and then you could like take like a person who's sort of like in flow and is like maximally efficient for yeah like in ninety minutes, and then you just take that model and you're like, okay, robot, go, and then the robot is in flow you know, oh. in air. Yeah, for like twenty four hours. The flow is really cool too, because you could study, you could figure out pretty quickly like what conditions. So you could do two things: you could figure out what conditions were, are good for you to get into flow, and then figure out how to replicate those conditions so you can get into flow more often. But you could also look at generally what conditions are good for people getting in flow and then give people general rules for like, if you want to get in a flow state more often, here's how to do those things. Oh, that's the sort of really things you need good. to do. To I do mean, that. what you're talking about. Yes. Cause what you're talking about then is like, you do some behavioral tracking and you're like, okay, I was in flow for these. Like, like I really was productive from, you know, two forty five to three fifteen right. or whatever. And then you could go, you could dial it back and say like, what, what led up to that point? What was I doing? What was my state? What was my goal? Like, and you could do the retroactive analysis on it and be like, you know, you'd have to like the company or whoever's doing it would filter down into some basic questions, but then you would have to do the retroactive, you know, sort of perspective on it, answer some questions based on the time. And then yes, you could get your insights. Like how do I get into flow more easily? How do I extend that period? Yeah. And I suppose having just collecting data all the time would make it really easy to then go back in retrospect and say, okay, what were the things that I was doing? What was going on around me in the moments leading up to me actually entering this flow state? Yeah, exactly. Because you could do like, I would imagine that you could probably do that with what we have today, right? Like if as long as you had like a, like you had a listener on your computer and your cell phone, and then you like had GPS mm-hmm. turned on and like your accelerometer, you'd be able to tell like where they were, how they're moving and what they were working on. Right. So, oh, so that's, here's a really good application for wearables. What? I, oh, I'm really excited. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Cause, cause well, I think about the new Apple watch, it has accelerometer GPS. It talks to your phone, they talk, yep. which can then talk to a, a computer. So you could potentially get tons and tons and tons of information going on in there. And you could then, yeah, use that passively to figure out what was going on. Yeah. And so I agree. Like, I think all the, I think the tools are there. I think the hardware is there for a lot of this. I just don't think the application is still like, that's the, the problem that we're talking about. And that's still what's lacking. And yeah, like it's the same problem across the board because I used the Microsoft band that had all those sensors. Right. And I had all the information, RIP, but my health, please. like, yeah, yeah. RIP. Well, as far as we know now, um, please, please don't let the rumors be true. I want that band three. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, like when I had that, I looked at that, my MS health dashboard that fed into that and there was like nothing useful in that dashboard. It just told you like, here's your heart rate looked like the last 20 minutes or, you know, or whatever. Right. Like, and that's not useful. Right. And then I've looked at like the health kit stuff on Apple, like because they've, so we've looked at using, you know, Apple watch for health tracking and it gave me the same exact feeling like, okay, here's like a quick summary of your data. Okay. There it is. Right. right? And like, I've yet to see that no one, it's not a slam on any particular company. It's just, I don't think anyone's nailed down the application for the data itself. Right. 
Right, right. Yeah, once you can figure that out, it'll actually become useful. But yeah, figuring out what to do with all this information. And I think part of the problem, too, is that a lot of the information until very recently has been pretty rough. So you have accelerometer data, but you yeah. don't really know what to do with that. Um, yep, I And agree. it's figuring out, uh, convincing people that you can actually make benefits. But that's, again, only if people actually want to do that. Sure. Right? Like, what if you're going to do, what if you're, what is the benefit of recording all this information if you're not going to be using it to actually make any changes? I feel like is there I one? feel like you I feel like you'd have to it's not a let's all track it and see what pops out it's more like hey we've seen this successful you know we've seen this type of thing behavioral change be successful based on this tracking and now we want to convince you to use it not the let's grab all your stuff and see what like see what shakes out hmm. because that's what's currently happening and it, no one's doing anything with it I think you have to identify the you know sort of the action item first and then sort of recruit right. to your purpose Should we take a break Um yeah let's break <laughs> So, other things we want to talk about with quantified self. <laughs> yeah, is it, you want to start by driving? Can that actually be useful? Because there's this automatic, which I think is really cool in concept. But then every time I'm about to hit the buy button, I'm like, ah, but is it actually going to do me any good? <laughs> so, so automatic being the OBD2 port thing that you plug into your, you know, the interfaces with your car. You plug it in, and just stays in the diagnostic port, and it collects all of the data that your car sends out over the can. So that's like, you know, collecting how hard you're pressing the gas and how hard you're pressing the brake and like presumably any GPS data if your car collects it or, you know, every, it's just collecting all the information that you're getting all the time, oil pressure, fuel. Share that classic EPGS data. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> so it grabs all that stuff. Um, and and I, yes, it's like you, you see it, right? And you're like, ooh, that's cool. Like, I want to see what my driving looks like. But yeah, it I have like no idea what their dashboard looks like. location and duration and stuff. Yeah, right? And um, One cool thing it does uh, is it, it'll look at the it'll look at average gas prices around you and then it'll figure out your miles per gallon distance and then calculate the cost of your trip. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so I mean, so that's we're doing the same thing though, right? Like, oh, that's cool, but we don't have a real use for it. Because right. like so for me, this is so what I'll say my alternative is like I currently I track my fuel every time I fill up my car and I put that into Fuely. So Fuely is a popular is a popular website for um, fuel mileage tracking. And which is really nice because you can see real my like real life, you know, mileage for different vehicles. You're like, I want to see what this car gets in real life. And you just go see what people are getting, which is really nice. Right. Um, so I'm already doing that there. The automatic, like using automatic doesn't really give me any benefit as far as like that's concerned. There's a bunch of other cool stuff you can do, but like, you know, the same question is what to do with that information. So yeah. Um, has it actually changed your driving habits? Right. No, it hasn't. It's just, I just want to know what it is. Like, it's yeah. more like I want a number to my driving right. habits right. and not that I want to change them. Also, like this is like going back to like just general business and research. Like if you don't measure it, you can't change it. So I guess if there's any habit or any behavior or something that you want to change, you're going to need to start tracking anyhow. Anyhow, otherwise you're never going to really understand what type of changes you're making. That's right. Like high level, but that's just science. That's just science in general. Come on, that's just good practice. But uh, but with automatic and all the car stuff, uh, let's like the insurance version of them, right? Like if you get snapshot or whatever it's called from Progressive or Allstate's got a thing. Anyway, it's the, they do the same thing, right? Like they're giving you a slight discount on your on your premium, so that way they can track your behavior. But what they don't tell you is if you're actually a really shitty driver, that they will uh, increase your premium. Yeah. <laughs> so. So there's there's a risk, yeah. There's an inherent risk to it, but normally it's like you drive for six months. They figure out how good of a driver you are, and then they adjust your rate based on your driving. Got it. Got Which it. Smart. That's pretty right. Good. Yeah. Right. But yeah. Some but people's some people's insurance are going up, so that sucks. Right. Uh, the other place so, that this is good is um, uh, 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 music tracking. 
that's like the one place mm-hmm. where I consistently want people to like track more of what I do with music. Like your skips, how long how long you listen to something, when you change, what types of categories you're listening to at different times of day, or something like that. Right, and how like I how I set my playlist, what sort of what genres do I jump between, that kind of thing. Hmm. So do you find like um, what would you expect to find? Like what's useful to you to find out from that? Oh well, because it could help me build better playlists. It could help me find music that's going to be interesting and unique. Um, it would make so one of the things that I often find myself doing is wanting to listen to music that's tailored to my taste for an indefinite period of time or not necessarily my taste even but for like the mood that i'm in or the context i'm in so like if we have friends over mm-hmm. and i want some music in the background that i just wanted to play something that's going to fit that situation uh and so i would like to be able to identify those sorts of things i could say like friends over play uh, like just start playing music that is good from having my friends over that kind of thing so we, we, we pull up and you're like uh alexa my friends are coming over or whatever you're what is Siri, whatever yeah. your home thing of choices. And all of a sudden your pictures all change. <laughs> like the, the wallpaper all changes. And all of a sudden there's some sweet, it's just pictures of you and your wife. <laughs> well, that's like, that's In the useful specific one. And that's like when, you know, Mickey Mouse clubhouse comes on the TV and stuff. But right. Uh, yeah. But yeah, something like that'd imagine. be really, really good. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Is that, so to get there, like, is this, do you need quantified self to get there? Or is it just like, I mean, otherwise, I guess you kind of do, right? Otherwise, yeah. the setup is pretty is pretty labor intensive because then you're like sort of going through each one and you're answering all the like, what do you want my pictures to be? What do I want my music to be? What do I want my you know whatever activities right. to be? Presumably, if you're free, yeah, just, just like just... what what drink should be chilled to the right degree <laughs> temperature. <laughs> okay, now now you're now you're getting me excited. That'd be what, very what good. Fo- what food should be prepped? Yeah, I mean, you could do that, right? Like you're like, okay, that'd it's, be really good. Actually, yeah. Right, like you have in your calendar that we're coming over, and all of a sudden, like forty-five minutes before we arrive, it's like, all right, getting the pizza out or whatever. Like, right, exactly. That's interesting. Yeah, you then it's the, that all gets going, and then the Sonos starts playing the right music for the background. And it, right. so, yeah, that'd be even great. Like, if it knew who you guys were, so it would know. Like, okay, uh, Chase and Sarah are not into hardcore hip hop, so let's avoid <laughs> that one. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good, right? Oh, that'd be. And you know, what with those twenty-year-olds, would be like, interesting. We should play something a little more hard. <laughs> Jeez. So when we come over, what you're saying is Goo Goo Doll starts playing because our playlist dominates yours or something. <laughs> oh my God, wait, how cool would that be? So that's one of the promises yeah, yeah. of like Sonos and stuff like that was always like you could have people come over to a party and you could all like vote on songs to play. You could all toss yeah. them on the playlist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How good would it be if it like... It so, just melts them. Like Apple Music has a little profile of you. Yeah, and then you come over and just your phone be on a network, they meld together. And so like it starts yes. out with what... What it thinks it's gonna like, and then as the night goes on, it starts playing like from us, from you, a combination of both. What it thinks we're gonna like, that'd be really good. I really like that idea. I like, yeah. So, it, yeah, exactly. So you're like, we're all on network or whatever, and then it pulls all the Apple Music right. profiles or whatever. If there's like an open platform, which there never would be, but yeah. like an open music platform that would pull my Spotify versus your Apple Music versus whatever. Right. It's like uh-huh. my music DNA and your music DNA. It sticks it all together. Oh, and now we're talking about Pandora because they did the music genome project. <laughs> right, right, but it's Pandora. It's it's uh, communal right, Pandora. Right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. No, it's really good. I like that idea a lot. That's so really it's good. just the synthesis. And I don't. Well, I feel you could like do that I with things because like, like this, but it was sort of like, right? so you could potentially, like as the crowd sort of changed mood. Have a something else was in the background that's sticking stuff into Sonos. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. I'm totally. I'm. I'm 100 down with this idea. Yeah. I like. I feel like we could do. So this. We could do this today. These these uses, like what we're talking about right now, this very subtle yet it's a subtle mm. yet um, tangible benefit of having some type of tracking going on in the background and using technology. Right? Uh, would you agree? Oh. That that's that's what this is. Um, yeah, and subtle yet tangible is such a good way of describing good technology. 
Yes, exactly. I feel like that's the hallmark of good technology. And so, and I'm going to give myself yeah. a plug. So one of the, my, in my dissertation, one of my studies is talking about real-time emotion tracking and people are like, well, why do I want to know when I'm happy or sad? I can tell, right? Or whatever. And and right. the thing that I'm talking about it being useful for are not the gross, oh, you know, like the very serious, like, oh no, Chase is having a meltdown. Quick, text his wife. Like, he, she needs to calm him down. Like, okay, like, I guess that could be a use of it, but that's not what I'm talking about. I think the really good uses of this, which are the subtle and tangible, subtle yet tangible uses, would be like, I'm going into a meeting and, like, so I'm going into like a quarterly review with my with my manager. And I get an email that says that a particular payment is late or whatever. And then I get a text message mm-hmm. from a friend that's like, like maybe it's you and you're just like intentionally harassing me because I like played a really bad game of Rocket League on over break or whatever, right? right. Like something like that. Something simple. But or I'm telling you, going ab- to the quarterly ab- review, lies about my wedding. Yeah, exactly. You're just absolutely making, taking, taking advantage of my gullibility. Um, <laughs> um, so I'm walking into this review and it knows that like, let's say it's like 103 and my review's at one. So it knows I'm late and knows I'm going to, it knows where I'm at. So I'm already stressed. It would see that, like my like my quantified self, mm-hmm. then like whatever would notice that my you know I, I'm highly stressed. I'm in a negative mood. It would then defer that late payment and your goofy message until after oh, because it's non crucial yes. information, like it's non critical. But it would it was really good. Although I I wouldn't notice at the time. Later I'd be like, oh thank God I didn't see that because I would have been mad or whatever. Right. That's right. the type of oh, interaction really I'm talking good. about. Yep. And then, so the Apple Watch already has that breathe thing. It'd be really good too if, like, you're getting a big presentation. It could like pay attention to what's going on until, like, okay, just take a deep breath. Let's do just like thirty seconds of mindfulness meditation to calm you down and get you ready to go. Oh, nice. So that's like before you have an event scheduled, it could, you can do that. Do that and like prompts the breathe. It should. Okay, it should. that's cool. Yeah. Right now, it just doesn't have yeah, a, a schedule, but it'd be really good if it could pay attention to your emotional state and oh. then decide when not to give it to you. Yes, exactly. So there's a, yeah. So this is like talking about where, what we're getting at is that you need to like have a severe, like a, a 100% really serious integration of multiple data sources, right? So like it works mm-hmm. if you live within the Apple ecosystem or the Microsoft ecosystem or Google ecosystem or something like that, because then they sort of have access to all these little bits. But when you're spread out across them, it's harder to make the, you know, the bigger picture clear. But like, you know, when I, when I was doing some of the stuff, we were talking about it, like with the Microsoft ecosystem, they have a tool called Delve, which I don't, have you seen that? Uh, I think you've mentioned it, but go ahead and remind me. Is it just, it's, so really, it's like a calendaring tool that you can see who's in the meeting and you can see like where they are and who they are. So it sort of like lets you see who's in there oh. and like what their, what their position is in relationship to you. So like you can oh, see cool. like if there's a skip level manager or like if you've got a bunch of people that are your peers or whatever in the meeting, it sort of like helps you adjust your like, you know, prep for it or whatever. But like if you have access to that information, that would help dial in like the rest of your recommendations or, you know, suggestions or deferments that you would get. So like all that stuff, right? You start getting more of that information. You can build a better system. That's really good. Yeah. That's really good. Anyhow. So one other place where this is really useful, it's we're, Sorry, we're going to dive back into health. Uh, no, it's is, fine. Uh, good. When you take this on an aggregate level. Mm-hmm. And uh, now you can uh, – uh, I'm thinking public health stuff specifically. So if you keep track of how people are getting vaccinated or not or where diseases are cropping up and that kind of thing, sure, uh, you sure. could potentially build really accurate maps of where that's going on and then do some epi- uh, epidemiology to track like with sources and that kind of thing. And I'm thinking of right. that classic, the guy who like invented public health. He uh, was tracking where cholera outbreaks were and then eventually we, based on his map was able to narrow it down to a single – a water source in an English town and it, they close it off and the cholera run away. And I think you could do that now on a much more in-depth scale because you could look at specifically 
I've been imagining a lot of things. People would quantify a lot of things about themselves. So you could look, if you're trying to track asthma outbreaks or, or like where asthma is elevated, that kind of thing, you could look at how people are doing their breathing and their heart rate and their exercise and that kind of thing. And yeah. then correlate information with, say, uh, industrial areas, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so you, and just you're referencing the thing that's in Tufty's book, right? The 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 declare outbreak yes. where they didn't they couldn't figure out like how why people were getting sick and then they just sound that they're all in one area and they all went drink from the same well that yeah that that dude's name yeah now that we'll never forget it yeah. it's john snow <laughs> oh my god yes that's so good okay yep <laughs> it's the 1854 broad street cholera outbreak and it was physician john snow yep yeah wow. it's really good but yeah but that type of uh, that type of use of like you know sort of quantified itself is amazing because that's a really early ver- you know version of it that's just data visualization right. sort of flipping on its head but the thing that you're suggesting which is getting everybody's like personal you know, health information could lead to like hey look at this area this is a really fit area or people are like really slowing down here or why is there so much i don't know like why would you why are so many people getting sick in this area or whatever i don't know right um, yeah. but this can, this can have a downside too, cause Google was doing this for a long time, tracking flu stuff until 2014 mm-hmm. when it just totally fell apart. Why did um, it fall apart? Uh, it just missed a bunch of flu stuff that was going on. Oh. And so the worry here is that if you have all this data, you can draw the wrong conclusions from it. Oh, and sure. Especially with, for public health, like if you have a lot of information, you really don't want to draw the wrong conclusions. Interesting. Yeah. So this all, this all falls under like the, you don't want to have false positives. Right, like you don't like. Right. Hey, look, we're gonna have this problem over here, and then you prep for it, and then nothing happens, but totally miss, and you save a false, then you actually miss or whatever. So, right, totally miss right. the real break. Yeah, I think that's I, that's really useful though. Like the aggregate data thing is really useful. Um, that's the idea that you're sort of like opting into like a health, and I I think like where you'd see this sort of start first is within corporate environments. So if you've got a big company mm-hmm. and they're like, all right, everybody, here's your Fitbit for Christmas. And sort of one of the terms right. and conditions of you getting the Fitbit is that they now see like what your physical activity level is. And you could be like, well, this group over here is way more active than this group. And then you could look at and like, see if it like lines up with their like performance ratings or something, or you could see if there's like general, right. like, cause they, you know, as you do surveys, be like, well, this group is really unhappy and this one is not, let's see what's different. Oh, it turns out that these people are all like going for a team walk every day. That's the positive version. The dystopian version is where they assess you more for public or for their company health insurance the, with the less exercise you get. Oh yeah, that's right. So, I mean, that's a huge concern, but I feel like we're, we're a few, we're a few, um, legal proceedings and Congress deadlocks away from that being an opt out system as opposed to an opt in system. Right. But this stuff has already started to happen. Um, I'll have to track down articles, but yeah, people have already started. Businesses have, have been sued for discrimination against people who don't get exercise and maybe not business, but certainly health insurance companies. Sure. Interesting. I wonder how much of that is like people opt into the system. They're like, yeah, I'll totally get, I get a bonus for wearing my Fitbit. Okay. And then they wear the Fitbit and it turns out that they actually don't do any exercise. Right. Yeah. Right. Or the thing I think I remember this being about too is uh, smokers. So you pay attention to how many times they smoke and they charge you more. Uh, for your oh insurance. yeah, exactly. Although so, you know, smoking is such a stigma in today's society that like we're, we're all like, eh, okay, don't smoke. But I guess right. it could be any other number of things that are not as stigmatic or whatever stigmatic, however you say that. Stigmatic, stigmata. Stig- I don't my stigmata. Stig- yeah, well, let's little. Please don't tell me about your stigmata. You can keep that to yourself. <laughs> are we done? Is this, are, have we nailed it? I think we've covered everything about quantified health. Quantified health. I think. Yeah, no, we talked about quantified health well today. <laughs> yeah, no, we did. Uh, I think we really did. I think there's, there's a lot of good stuff. So, what do we? But overall, what we're saying is. I think I think the technology is there for a lot of this tracking, right? But I don't think that yeah. there's clear action items, and um, there isn't there aren't clear insights given to the people who are actually tracking to make it useful or worth their time yet, right? 
Right. Cool. And the good All stuff right. is stuff that is subtle yet tangible. Oh, yes. The good stuff is subtle yet tangible. So hopefully we see more of that. I love it. Less looking at your health but dashboard going, I guess I slept bad. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. I guess I slept bad. Now tell me what to do about it. And then actually yeah, have exactly. it give you useful information. Tell By me how to sleep. To expert sleepers. <laughs> expert sleepers. Jeez. I was, I was going to go a different direction with that one. I was going to say, tell me how to sleep stud. But you know, if you want to talk about expert sleepers, that's even better. <laughs> teach me how to sleep. Teach me, teach me how to sleep. You can find show notes for this episode at interface.fm backslash 29. You can also backslash find us on, What year is this? 1993. Is it? Is that it? It's a forward slash. I'm sorry. I'm God so panic about that one. Oh my gosh. Forward slash 29. And we have Reddit and email and all the things. (laughs) If you want to talk to us, feel free to contact any medium. Uh, Also, hello at interface.fm so we can keep getting your emails and happy to reply because we like chatting. So um, thank you for your time this week, Mr. Lilja. Hopefully we will catch up with you. Thank you, Chase, as always. It's a pleasure. (laughs) Yes, pleasure is always on this side of the microphone. Um, We will catch up with our baby-laden friend, Ian, and see you next week and every week after. That's not how we do it. (laughs) 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 We'll be back next week and every week. Late clockwork. You know what? Let's let's be honest. Let's talk about this for a second. Podcasts are the opposite of quantified because they live in like internet arcadium. Like there's nothing like modern or useful about internet st- or podcast stat tracking. Like download our thing. No, absolutely. And then you go into the ether. We have no idea what happens to it. Yep. Which is I, a lot of people have argued is like for the enormous benefit of podcasts because it's still sort of like the early internet, the wild west. Oh, that's true. It's uh, kind of like the wild west.